Good morning, IE Church. It's Scott Sweeney from Desert Cities. It's great to be with you today. I'm excited to be able to start our new series called Kingdom Come, where we're going to focus on God and his kingdom during these days. We've been going through some times where it's easy to be discouraged. When you look around, when you look, watch the news, when you think about the COVID going around the world and even affecting our families and even causing pain to many of us. The, with the elections that are coming up and as tensions rising, as people are looking ahead to November 3rd, it can cause us to worry and, and, and be nervous and be upset. The economy has affected many of us, and there's fires all around in California. As someone recently said, our world is on fire. I'm here to help us to focus on God as he's helping all of us to focus on God. In the past week or two, as I've talked to people, I know I have felt tired. I felt worn out. I felt like, man, I don't, I don't have enough strength for everything that's coming in my way. And as I've shared that with different people, maybe you can relate because others have said, hey, I'm tired too. We talked to Mofid and Jesse in Lebanon just a couple days ago and they have shared some just amazing, great news. They had a class where they did the cross study to help people learn about the love of Christ demonstrated in the cross. They did that class with 14 people. And they've had 30 people come to Christ this year, and they're so excited and fired up. And as we talked to them in a quiet moment, they just shared with us, man, we're tired. This has been a lot, that we're stressed out, that this we need Christ. They started praying as a church every morning, the women at 6 a.m. and the men at 7 a.m., because they just feel weak. And I don't know about you, but I can relate. I pray that this series lifts us up and gives us courage, gives us strength, gives us hope, helps us to get rooted in God and his kingdom. And as the world maybe gets more divided, that the church gets more united. As people get more worried and more stressed out, that we can get more peace from God, that we can trust him and put our trust in him day by day by day that we can treasure his kingdom and his church that we get to be a part of, that we have a safe place where we can love each other, we can talk, and we have a place that can be a light for the world. And I pray that that becomes so more and more. Kingdom comes comes from Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10, where Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. And he says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus talked a lot about God and about his kingdom. And I pray that as we focus there, that our primary love and allegiance and passion can be rekindled for God. During this series, we're going to talk about his kingdom. We're going to look at scriptures in, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, we're going to talk about the qualities of the kingdom and how we can be filled up with God and display those qualities and live those qualities and experience those qualities in this life, in his church. 
of peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We're going to talk about politics in our country and how that relates to the kingdom of God and how to live out our faith and not put too much faith in this world, but still speak out where we need to and be a prophetic community, a, a, a community that stands up against evil, that, that proclaims God fearlessly in this world and being a light and being hope because of Christ. My first point is Jesus Christ is a real rival to Rome. That when Jesus was born, he was called the son of David, which in Israel brought to mind images of their great king and leader in the glory days of Israel. That when the wise men came to find Jesus, it says that they were looking for the king of the Jews. And the word kingdom, as it's used, even the kingdom of God is the same word that's used for the Roman Empire, Basilia. The same word. So becoming a Christian in the first century was equivalent to treason. It was equivalent to removing your citizenship in Rome and placing it in Christ and not being a part of these different sects within Israel even, but being a citizen and a primary resident in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And that's why even when he called people to follow him, he used stories such as there's one king going to war against another king because there was a direct opposition between God and his kingdom and following the kingdoms of this world. I pray that today, that even as we talk about it, that we can think about, am I truly putting my trust in God or am I putting my trust in something that can be taken away? Am I putting my trust in this world? The week that Jesus went to the cross, he came in on the triumphal entry and it, it, it was a, a fulfillment of Zechariah 9 which says, Rejoice, daughter Jerusalem. Your king comes riding on a donkey. That even there, they were celebrating, finally, we're going to get Rome off our backs. And yet, even then, they didn't understand the kingdom that Jesus was trying to bring. He did not deny this kingdom when he went before Pilate. When asked, are you a king? He, he didn't admit, he admitted it. And he says, my kingdom is from another place where my servants would rise up and overthrow Rome. Even all the way to the cross above his head was a sign that said, Jesus, king of the Jews, that he was known in scriptures as the king of kings, the Lord of lords, that this was in direct contrast to the Roman emperors of the day. In, in that day, Rome was the greatest empire in the world. One out of every four people on earth approximately was a part of the Roman Empire. For those of you who are familiar with Gladiator, the glory of Rome was real. The idea that this nation, this empire would bring the Hope to the cosmos 
and save the world and bring peace, that the empire would fulfill humanity. And it sounds like a bunch of propaganda, but that was what was being sold and people were believing it. Even now, as we're in campaign season, maybe you hear that similar language that this is the hope of the world, that this is going to change everything, that this is going to fulfill us. This is going to bring us peace. I don't know about you, but that sounds familiar. In Jesus' time, there were many different factions that were putting their hope in other things than in Christ. They had an opportunity to follow Jesus, and yet their hope was in so many different things. There was a group called the Herodians that gained power in Judea by making peace with Rome and making the agreement to not criticize Rome, to not critique Rome, to not speak out against it. And they held on to different traditions but that enabled them to remain in power. You've heard of the group, the Sadducees, that had the high priest and contained many members of the Sanhedrin. And they were staunch conservatives, believing only in the original documents, which was the Torah, the the law of Moses, that they rejected the hope of the resurrection and the Messiah and chose to follow these rules and try to get these rules to be lived out, believing that that would bring about a better life. The Pharisees were deeply religious and believed that someday God would send his Messiah and he, then he would rule as a king, that they were looking to the future And they were dreaming about a better day. And so their lives were simply enduring Rome. Just suffer through and someday God's going to help us out. Someday God's going to bring us through. Maybe we can relate. Maybe some of us were just enduring. We're just making it through. We're just trying to go back to live out the, the original documents somehow rather than coming to Christ by faith. There were the zealots that rejected the empire and they wanted to establish their own empire to overthrow this government so we can have our own government, a better one. They're by any political or military means necessary. Wasn't necessarily a religious group, but they wanted to determine their own destiny. Sometimes we can find ourselves in similar ways, feeling like, hey, if we could just do this on earth, that we would be happy that the world would be a better place. And there's many things that could change. But ultimately, their faith wasn't in God. They weren't looking to him for strength. There was the Essenes that weren't actually mentioned in the Bible, but they were the ones that were out in the wilderness by the Dead Sea that where they found the, the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they believed that the world was dangerous, that they went out to the wilderness to escape and set up a new community just all alone and be protected. They were looking to the future, but they 
didn't act as a light to the world. They were not a prophetic voice to the people of the day. They just wanted to kind of hide within themselves and make it to heaven someday. Maybe you can relate to one of these groups. Maybe you, maybe you're looking to something other than Christ even now to, to change the world, to change your life or to change mine. I know it can be easy to get caught up in everything that's going on. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But ultimately in Jesus time, there was only, you could only choose in his mind one identity. You were a Christian or you were part of one of these other groups. Imagine if he came back today and applied that to you and applied that to me. Would you rather be a Christian or an American? Would you rather be a Christian or be a citizen of a different country? Would you rather be a Christian or a Republican? A Christian or a Democrat? A Christian or an Independent? Would you rather be a Christian or or a white person, a Christian or a black person, a Christian or a Latin person, a Christian or an Asian person, that ultimately God wants us to be Christians first, that that's our primary allegiance, identity, conviction, and goal in life is to look at my world through Christ. And even now, as we're tempted to be pulled apart, that we can realign ourselves with him that we can recommit ourselves to him, that, yeah, we might get afraid or we might get triggered by things that happen, but we can come back to Christ and pledge our allegiance to King Jesus and not to some other form of security. My second point is God's kingdom is greater than the worldly empires. And I'm going to read Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 20, where he goes through the Beatitudes. And he says, looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. That Jesus came and many people believed that this was Jesus starting his kingdom with the Beatitudes. And he starts it out by saying, Blessed are you who put these into your life. Not blessed in the future, blessed in the now. That when we follow the rules and the, the, the heart of God's kingdom, that we will be blessed even now. And these are so different from the rules for, for the empire, for the world. Jesus came as a king, but his kingdom was so different. He said, blessed are the poor. Right there, you lost people. In, in, in the Roman Empire, blessed were the rich. And Jesus saying, blessed are the poor. And in Matthew, he follows that with poor in spirit. 
And this word for poor is a word for severe poverty where you even have to beg for food that you can't provide for yourself, that you, whatever you have, you have through someone else. And that's what Jesus is getting at, that it's not about us providing for ourselves, that God wants to provide for us. It's not about what we have, but it's about what we don't have without Christ, that we don't have forgiveness, that we don't have the spirit. We don't have love. There's so many. We don't have, I don't have patience without Christ. I don't have unconditional love without Christ. I don't have strength without Christ. And in so many different ways, Jesus came to bring that message. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger now, for you shall be filled. That if we want to be a part of God's kingdom, he's saying we'll be blessed if we're hungry. And what does that mean, hungry? Not many of us can relate. I know in Jesus' time, there were people that really went to bed hungry, and there's some, some of us maybe that can relate, but most of us, that's a challenge to imagine what it means to go hungry, go to bed hungry. Imagine if you go to bed hungry, the next morning when I woke up, I would be solely focused on getting some food. How am I going to eat today? How is this going to happen? Where am I going to go? There would be a passion and a fire and an intensity that everything else would fade away except this pursuit of food. Can you relate? Maybe whatever kind of food it would be, but the hungrier you are, the more any food will do. Jesus is wanting us spiritually to be hungry for God, to be hungry for his word, to be hungry for his spirit, to be on a singular pursuit of him. And in that way, we will be blessed. We will be filled up as we seek after him. He follows that up by saying, blessed are those who weep, for you will laugh. That those aren't the qualities that most people want to run towards. Being poor, being hungry, and being sad. That doesn't sound like a great kingdom, Jesus. And yet, he fills us up when we have compassion on this world. When we're brokenhearted for the pain of others, when we're hurt, when we see the effects of sin, and even when we have godly sorrow towards him, it says that we're sad that it hurts, but it leaves no regret. When we look around at this world, it's easy to be judgmental, and yet Christ is saying we need compassion, we need tears, we need love, we need, we need to empathize. And have a heart. And he even describes being hated, excluded, or cast out as evil. And that, that was the life in Christ's kingdom. Can you imagine as Christians being called to live that kind of life? A kingdom that that is better than the kingdom of this world. That is more fulfilling than the comfort, than the, 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 the security, than, than having all of our needs, physical needs met, that 
being hungry, weeping, and being poor in spirit is better. I want to ask you the question, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that you'll be happier when you have this heart, when you have this spirit, when you follow Jesus' way? Because that is the spirit that guides his kingdom, the alternative community that he wants us to live in as God's people. He continues on and he says, but woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. That Jesus didn't just going around say everything was okay. That he pronounced woes here on the people of that time because they were too full to search for him. They were too content to see their need for God. They were too caught up in their own lives to give Jesus the time of day. And even as he was going to the cross, when he talked about Capernaum and Chorazin and Bethsaida, cities of his day, he didn't have good things to say because people were too busy and they didn't get their hope from him. They didn't follow his way and his kingdom. This brings me to the idea that God's kingdom is a prophetic kingdom. That when he says your kingdom come, that Christians were called to be a light to the world, to, to proclaim it from the mountaintops, to speak against sin, to speak against injustice, to speak against false religion, but speak in a way of Jesus' new kingdom with love and respect but with conviction, to not speak out like the world, but speak out like Christ. Jesus spoke out for those that were marginalized of his day. He spoke out and took a stand for women. He took a stand for the Gentiles who were excluded from the Jews. He took a stand for children who were just property in that day. And he took a stand for sinners who were looked down on as unclean. That Jesus' kingdom was about the lonely, the downtrodden, and the forgotten. As we mentioned before, the poor, the hungry, and the sad. I'm so grateful as we're starting this squad here in the IE to do just that. To help us to be a haven for the, the poor and the hungry and the hurting to notice the value in every single individual that God has made, every single image bearer of Christ, to recognize the hurting, to love more deeply, and to notice everyone. I know this week has been a tough week for some of us and some of you with the grand jury outcome in the Brianna Taylor case. I just want you to know that I have been praying about this a lot this week. 
that it's been on my heart, that I've been studying it out, that I've been trying to find out more about it. I've been praying for her family and her sister and her mom. And I know that there was a $12 million award given to her family. But I don't know about you. I wouldn't give up my daughter for $12 million. It's, it, it hurts. It's a tragedy. And I pray that we can be moved by compassion and not make it political, but simply hurt because others around us are hurting, not just in the church, but out of the church. I know there was laws set up to change the situation and make it better going forward, but it's still, it's a tough time to speak out against those that aren't held accountable. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm not down on police officers. Some of my great friends are police officers. But I want everyone to be accountable. I want to be held accountable, and I want everyone else to be held accountable too. I don't know all the specifics in the case. I'm not an expert. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just saying, a young woman of 26 years old who wanted to be a nurse died before her time. And her mom's words stuck with me. Don't forget her, say her name. And I pray that we can have compassion, that we don't have to respond in a negative way. We don't have to defend, but we can be moved, that we can speak out and we can be like Christ, that notice the value of every life. And it, it helped my heart. And I pray that it helps yours. And again, this is about God's kingdom, not about politics. It's not about all these other things, but simply being moved when, when there's tragedy, being a, a community of tears, because that's what God says will make us blessed. And I couldn't speak on this topic of the kingdom and how we're supposed to be a prophetic community. I pray we can speak out against all kinds of things that don't please God, uh, about tragedy, not even sometimes proclaiming right or wrong, but just acknowledging that people around us are hurting. Point number three, security or sacrifice. Security or sacrifice. Jesus could choose security in this world or he could choose to sacrifice his life for you and for me. You ever ask yourself the question, what if Jesus became the emperor? He had that opportunity when he was out in the, in the desert. He was tempted by Satan. He said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. He would have been the best emperor ever, the wisest. Maybe he could have stopped war, stopped hunger, stopped poverty. He could have done a lot of good. But that was not the choice that he made. And I take that as a message to, to myself. That I want to choose sacrifice over security. That I want to choose the way of the cross rather than, rather than the way of, of ease. And that's exactly what Jesus did because he was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. He wasn't looking for comfort. 
or power in this world, but he was looking for God. In Matthew chapter 16, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. That Jesus asked them, who do people say that I am? And he, they mentioned John the Baptist. And he was the one that called for national repentance. And people came from everywhere to turn from their ways. Or Elijah, who was a miracle worker, a prophet in the Old Testament, or Jeremiah, who would speak the words of God powerfully. And truly, Jesus did all of these things. But that wasn't enough. Jesus was so much more that the world of his day underestimated who he was. And so many times today, we can underestimate Jesus. We can forget that he created everything that he can do anything, and that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, just as Peter said. He said that the gates of Hades will not overcome his church and his kingdom. And it's amazing because in Caesarea Philippi, there was a cave that many believed was the, the cave to the underworld or to Hades in that time. And so many people believed that they were at this cave when Jesus asked them this question and said that nothing will be able to overcome me and my kingdom. And then he went on and they had that amazing moment. But Jesus continued. He says, from that time on, in verse 21 of Matthew 16, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. That even here, Peter was resisting the way of God and his kingdom, the way of Christ, that he chose sacrifice over security. I'm so grateful to be in a community, in a church, where so many of you choose sacrifice over security day after day after day. You inspire me by putting God first, by living your lives, living out that sacrifice even today for one another, to help one another, to, to, to be there for one another, to love one another, to, to lift each other up. I want to thank all of you for your giving to the special missions, 
to support our missions work in the Middle East and here in the IE this year. What an amazing blessing that is. I'm so inspired to be in this community that lives their lives by sacrificing for God. Not just financially, but, but your time, your heart, your, 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 uh, your efforts. And so many of you inspire me in so many, so many ways. I pray that even now that you can think about which way do I choose? Which way am I going to choose? Am I going to choose the way of comfort? Am I going to choose the way of sacrifice? I pray that we can truly be that community for Christ, that we choose love, that we choose sacrifice, that we lay down our lives willingly so that God can use us, so that he can lift us up, that we don't follow the ways of this world and of comfort. Yeah, we can enjoy ourselves and enjoy this life, but we live our lives for Christ. Even here, they didn't understand the full extent of Christ's mission. In 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, he says, Though he was rich, he became poor for the sake so that you, through his poverty, you might become rich. I pray that even now that you can think about the things in your heart and, and me and mine that rival my love for Christ. Christ came as the king, as a challenge for Rome, and he wants our allegiance to be first to him, above country, above political party, above race, above ethnicity. I pray that even in these times that we can continue to come back to Christ, that we can continue to make him our king and pledge our allegiance to him day after day after day. I pray that we can wrestle with the principles of God's kingdom to be poor, to be hungry, and to weep for others so that God can fill us up, to be persecuted and insulted so that he can fill us up with his spirit. I pray that we can be the prophetic voice in this world, that we speak out for God, that we hold up his principles, that we hold up his love. And all. And sometimes being a prophet for God is not just what we say, but what we don't say. And whatever we say, we say it in a spiritual way. We say it in a way like Christ, that we don't fight the battles of this world the way this world does, that we fight the battles the way Christ did. And we speak and we become a light to the world in that way. And I pray that we decide to sacrifice ourselves for Christ as opposed to finding security in this world. And truly, you will be blessed. Let's pray for our communion together. God, we thank you so much for this time to come before you. I pray that your word has opened up our hearts to your kingdom, to Jesus and his mission on this earth, God, that we can commit ourselves to you. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for sacrificing for us. God, I pray that you can even help my heart to be more committed to being spiritual and, and being humble and being poor in spirit 
and being hungry for you and being moved to compassion for others. God, it's so easy to want to run away to, to escape. And yet we miss out on all the blessings. God, thank you that through the cross that Jesus didn't try to escape, but he went through everything that this world had to offer to bring your kingdom to us, to bring us forgiveness. Thank you for his body and his blood shed for us. And I pray that you help us to live for you in response. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.